everyone, and we're live. You're tuning to the Cosmic Children Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin. And today, I have an interesting individual in the studio with me. While I was doing my homework for this particular episode and on this particular individual, I find the space that he inhabits to be of particular interest. And it fascinates me because of how, uh, how he's able to navigate all these different realms that seem so separate, but so he does it so well. So Joshua, uh, for those who might not know who you are, or might not have seen or heard of you, how would you describe what you do? How would I describe? Um, well, I guess there are labels, first and foremost. Um, I label myself an actor. Um, I'm also a host uh, slash MC slash TV presenter. Um, I do voiceover work. Um, and most recently, I have become a co-director of a small little uh, company. Um, my wife and I have just incorporated a psychology private practice. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, something new for me. Yeah. Was that always something uh, that you had in mind to do or did the things just fall into place and you felt like it was the right decision to do at a point in time? Mm. When it when it comes to my, my acting, um, the artistic um, career, it wasn't something I actively thought about until my last two years in university. Mm. Um, but having said that, I've always been interested in performing arts. I was in a choir since I was a young boy. Um, I learned the piano. Uh, I joined the military band in secondary school. So I played the flute and I've been doing concerts. And I mean, I was a musician from secondary school all the way, even up to even in the army yeah. <laughs> and in university. So mm. I've always been a performer. Yeah. Yeah, but leisurely, you know, it's like a CCA on yep. the side yep. kind of thing. Um, but I think I've always felt that sense of longing or, or belonging mm. um, performing. Yep. And in my final two years at SMU, um, when I had the privilege of being in a couple of musicals for the arts festival, mm. um, not just being in a musical, but to have been cast as the lead for both of them um, with theater industry professionals, mm. Um, being involved in the creation of the production. Um, they, are, they were the ones that asked me if I wanted to join them, join the industry. And that was yep. really when the seeds were planted, yep. whether I'm going to do this full-time yep. or not. Yeah. Yep. Can you take me back to when you were first starting out? What was it that drew you to performing? Was it a piece of media that you saw or was it uh, something you saw on TV or was it something someone said to you? Why was it so attractive to you even at that early age? I'm not sure. Um Okay, so the, my first memory of like maybe watching a performance was maybe watching my mom in the, the church choir. Mm. Um, they put up concerts every year. Yeah. Um, so maybe that was my first taste of it. Like, wow, my mom's performing. Mm. And then there's this whole group of people singing and doing stuff. Oh, that looks quite fun. So maybe that was my first encounter with performance. Yep. Um, I also found myself always imagining what people, what characters sound like. Um, when I read a book mm. or I read a script yep. um, and when I did literature in school, you know, when we start to read Shakespeare or, or, or texts that are meant to be performed, I would just imagine what it would be like. Mm. Uh, so maybe that's that as well. Yep. And I imagine myself saying those lines or even performing those things. Yep. Yeah. What sort of books were you reading early on? All sorts. Yeah. Um, 
come to think of it, I don't know whether it was, they were age appropriate at that time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, I was like a primary school kid yeah. and then handed a Michael Crichton novel mm. reading Jurassic Park or, yep. or, or Airframe or John Grisham novels yep. also that were quite popular at that time. Yep. Um, yeah, I, I, I think I just found myself very drawn to reading and just imagine just absorbing all these different kind of stories. Yep. And I had no, no, I didn't limit myself in terms of the genre and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. So even like a Russell Lee, those Singapore ghost story stuff. Um, I read Animorphs. Oh, <laughs> that is a really good series. Yeah, I know yeah. Animorphs, yeah. Yeah, the Enderlites. I mean, I still remember <laughs> Enderlites, Enderlite Chronicles, the Yerks and whatever. Yeah, that yep. was such a good series. Yep. Um, what else were there? The, the usual primary school stuff, like, I mean, you know, Goosebumps. Yep. Um, um, oh, I don't know if you played Lone Wolf, those game gaming adventure RPG books. No, what are those? Um, so they're a little bit like choose your own adventure where mm. like, like um, you should make a decision and you turn to whatever page. Those were really popular in the 90s, yeah? Yes. Yeah. And these were like fantasy stuff mm. where you well, you are the character and then you have like a set of different skills and then you roll the dice and yep. then it's a little bit of like mini D&D yep. kind of stuff. Yep. And then you read the story and you based on your decisions, you turn to whatever page and mm. yeah. Uh, those were the things that really captivated me and got me really engaged in 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 reading yep. and in the stories. Would you say that they were important fuel for your imagination and what you could possibly conceive of? Because I can imagine if you're going to school, it's pretty wary, it's pretty dreary. But when you turn and you started reading these novels that talk about sci-fi and dragons and fantasy and knights, it, it kind of stimulates the imagination a little bit as to what what is out there. Well, yeah. Um, I think it's uh, I think it's a cycle. Yeah. Because uh, earlier when I was talking about when I read stuff, then I imagine how they sound like that stuff like that. Yep. So I think the imagination comes first, but then the material also fuels that imagination because mm. um, depending on the writer, uh, it can be very rich, creative writing that just puts images and sounds into your head, right? Even though they're just words on a page. Mm. And then that fuels the imagination. Um, so I, I think it's a it's a very self fulfilling cycle. Gotcha. Yeah. Yep. So let's continue. Um, what you mentioned about being in a uh, university and just uh, going out of it. What was that path like? Was it uh, pretty straightforward for you to to start taking on gigs and start taking on roles and to grow your portfolio like that, or was it a little bit uh, more meandering? I was lucky um, to have been offered a role. Uh, right after I graduated, the timing just seemed perfect. Mm. Um, so the two musicals I talked about that I did in SMU, they were directed by Sebastian Tan, our beloved Broadway Bing. Um, so, I mean, he planted the seeds of me joining the industry. And it just so happened that in July, they started rehearsals for a musical called Fried Rice Paradise. Um, and I graduated in June. So wow. it was just nice, just you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, and then so he he spoke to Singapore Repertory Theatre, SRT then, and just um, put my name in. And and very luckily, very fortunately, they offered me to be in the ensemble. Mm. Um, it was a wonderful production to be in. Uh, I made my professional debut at the Esplanade Theatre. Yeah. Uh, it's probably like the largest, um, was the largest stage at that time to make yeah. a professional debut. Yeah. Um, so I thought I started on a real high and then I didn't know what to do after that. Okay. Um, cause I'm a total newbie, just yeah. fresh. Like nobody knows me except for those few theater people yep. who, who have seen me. Um, so it's a matter of, okay, so what do I do now? I'm going to do this full time. 
where do I go? So I was just speaking to as many people as I could in the industry. Mm. Um, obviously, Sebastian, um, who's I regard as my mentor, my benefactor. Um, and along the way, also many other theater, theater veterans uh, who have become friends. Um, just talking to them and them just giving me suggestions and options. Mm. So I do remember struggling quite a lot in the beginning because almost nobody knew me. Yeah. You know, so you got to put yourself out there, yeah. um, answer every casting, audition, mm. notice mm. that you come across. Mm. Uh, so from all sorts of commercials. Um, and then a, a thought struck me also that uh, in order to like keep the income stable, yeah, I needed to teach. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. I don't know what or how that thought came into my mind, but I, I somehow just felt that, okay, I need to be a teacher mm. to supplement my income for my artistic uh, pursuits. Yeah, that's a fair thought to have. Yeah, you know. Yeah, um, and a lot of people do that, and mm. and it's uh, and and hats off to them because uh, I, I so I taught for a couple of years. Yeah, I think I started off at a company that um, sent drama instructors to uh, primary schools, secondary mm. schools. So I did that for a while. Um, got to know a few more other companies. So I Indian, or I ended up teaching like even preschool children in the kindergartens and wow. stuff like that. Yeah, um, but it got to a point where. I dreaded the work. Interesting. Yeah. Not because I don't like the children or I don't like imparting drama knowledge to them, but I just found like I didn't have the skill. Mm. Um, firstly, I don't have the knowledge because I'm not formally trained in theatre or mm. drama whatsoever. Yep. I was just going by experience and what I see. Um, so I lacked the skill, perhaps the competence um, in, in the content-wise and also class management-wise. It's a, Hats off to the teachers. I don't know how they do it. Like <laughs> to handle, you know, especially in secondary school where they're raging hormones in these adolescents. <laughs> yeah. Like my goodness. Yeah. I so it got to a point where I I began dreading the work, and I thought to myself, I, I can't. I can't do work that I dread going to. Yep. It's not fair for myself. It's not fair for the people I interact mm -hmm. with also. So, yep. but thankfully speaking, so. Uh, I say this without any uh, delusions that I was very fortunate to, in the end, meet enough people who wanted to work with me. And then I started to get uh, more and more jobs to a point where, okay, I think, firstly, I got no time to teach anymore. Mm -hmm. um, and I also wanted to let it go. So yep. I was able to do that. Yep. And there was still enough income to support myself. Yeah. yeah. I want to touch on this very interesting uh, thing you mentioned about dread. Um, did you carry this framework of looking at things and experiencing things uh, further down your career as to help you identify the things that you might not want to do or you feel that it might not be a good fit? Has it been a good signal for you to, to identify, hey, maybe this is not for me, mm. I'll go do something else? Because I ask because being a creative, sometimes it feels like you are wandering in the dark. You don't really know what the next step is. There isn't as clear of a path. So I'm curious to know, like, has, has this been helpful in helping you identify, oh, maybe this is not for me, I'll go do, I'll focus my, my attention on something else? Uh, definitely. But it's something that you learn along the way. It's not mm. something that I will look at, okay, whether this um, I want to do or whether I dread it later on. It was a, a matter of, um, this is that, that kind of light bulb moment. Okay, you know what? I'm dreading doing this. Why am I going to do this? Yeah. And then making a, and then thinking about it first and then making a conscious decision. Okay, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it's definitely a skill that you need to pick up um, something that you need to be aware of. 
um, I don't think just as a creative, but just as a person in general, mm. I think um, you won't pursue a hobby that you don't like, right? <laughs> that is that is a bit paradoxical, yeah. <laughs> right? Uh, yeah. Begrudgingly yeah. <laughs> trying to do something. <laughs> yeah. Um, but in this case, I mean, it's it's a livelihood. So it's a different thing also. Yep. Um, but I mean, like when I, I, like I told you, there were so many labels I gave out just now, actor, host, MC, voiceover. I, six, I, 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 think, think, yeah. I think I've narrowed it down over the past, don't know how many years, because I just went out there to try anything and everything. Mm. In the beginning, I think that was just the process I had to go through yep. to put my out there, try as many things as I could and, and realize maybe not consciously at that time, but realize what I didn't like or what didn't suit me or what I didn't suit. Yeah. Um, and then also at the same time, find out what I am drawn to it and what I excel at. Yeah. And thankfully speaking, the things that you are drawn to are also kind of the things that you excel at also. Yeah. Yeah. And um, and also thankfully, they are the things that pay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Wonderful. This idea of trying different things and heading out there to experiment and to put yourself out there to be... I guess not as skilled or not as good at different things, but having the experience and being able to to confidently say this is not for me and narrowing down is this uh, uh, this is, is this a common uh, thought for you or because growing up in Singapore there's always this internal pressure or even external pressure to choose a path and to go straight down even though you might not enjoy you might not like it but there is this idea of oh you have to stick to a schedule for, uh, let's say, graduating. You have to stick to a schedule for, let's say, your promotions and stuff like that. So this idea that you said seems a little bit counterintuitive. How 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 did you come to feel so comfortable with with uh, just putting yourself out there, experimenting, and just taking your time to 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 grow? I don't think I am as comfortable as you okay. might make it to be. <laughs> okay. You look really comfortable right now. <laughs> it's been quite a long time. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think. This might surprise you, but I used to be that kind of very straightforward, very, mm. um, okay, there's a path. I just need to follow the path kind mm. of person until I entered the industry and realized, whoa, it's a free world out there, actually. I can actually choose. Yep. I have options. Um, so to allude to like games, some games are very linear. Yes. And then some games are open world. Yeah. Like uh, Breath of the Wild, Legend of Zelda. It's like you can do anything you want. Yeah. Um, so I was never like that until I entered the industry and just found myself like fumbling. Mm. And and that's why I needed to reach out to all these people who have been in the industry already. Please teach me, what do I do now? Yeah. Um, and I realized that, yeah, uh, you don't have to stick to one path. You know, um, I seem comfortable about it now, I think because I have tried many, many things already and that's why I'm able to be where I am now. But at the beginning it was... Um, not, I wouldn't say terrifying. I was about to say that, but I don't think, think it was terrifying. It was very, I guess, just uh, just feeling very insecure mm. or, or unsure. Yeah. You know, when, when the lights are a bit dim and you're just unsure, but you're not really scared also at the same time. Yep. You just know that, okay, I've, I've got to go there and try it. Um, and if that path is not for me, okay, then I can close it off and try something else. Yeah. Um. So... I, I guess I had to really f try and find a balance mm. um, and, and find my internal threshold for, okay, is this something that I can live with? If I were to take up this job, mm. um, I don't really like it very much, um, but how's the pay like also? Yep. Yep. What are people I'm working with? 
um, yeah, there, there are certain thresholds that I think you need to set for yourself. Mm. Um, and this comes with talking with people also. Yep. Uh, it's not just just totally on, on my own introspection, um, although one needs to have a fair amount of that. Yeah. Um, as the years go by, as I, ex- I gain more experience, I do find myself becoming more uh refining my criteria yep. of why I choose to take up a job or not why yep. I choose to pursue something or not yeah um and also life because when you get married is one thing and then when you start to have your first child is another and then when you have two children <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. so the priorities change also uh, yep. depending on life circumstances yep. <laughs> yeah I guess it sounds as though one kind of has to roll with the punches and be flexible in whatever game plan they might have. Because mm. I can imagine the the plan and what you have right now in your life is very different a decade back. Yeah, as you said, as you get married, as you get one child, two child, things change. Mm. So take me back uh, when you first got your first production in that. And what was the industry like? Was it a very vibrant industry? Like there's a lot of opportunities or was it... Uh, was it a wasteland and you had to scrounge and, and find? Because I find myself thinking sometimes, what was the scene or what was the the creative landscape like back 20 years when when, when people first started? Yeah. Mm, I have to say that I'm actually in that sense quite a lousy practitioner in the industry because I'm really not super in the know of things mm. or like if you ask me what's, what's playing now at Esplanade, you know, like if you're an artist, you should... Yep. You know, know at the top of your head, but I don't. Yep. So I'm not that, I'm quite lousy in that sense. I'm not really very much in the know. So if you ask me about how vibrant it was at that time, I, I really had no idea also. Uh, on top of that, I was just fresh. I was just yep. a newbie. But I was, on hindsight, I would like to think or my impression of it is that actually it the, the scene has always been vibrant, I think, um, even up to now. Mm. Uh, it's a matter of whether you're interested to go and look mm. or to, to find out, you know? Yep. Um, by the time I joined the industry, this was 2010, by the way. Yeah. So a good 13 years ago. Uh, I kind of knew that there, there was a, a theatre industry out there. There were shows. Um, I do remember as a, as a kid, my aunt or my parents would bring me to watch like uh, Singapore Arts Festival stuff. So international acts and things like that. Yep. Um, the big musicals like Les Mis or Phantom. Yep. Uh, but local theatre, okay. So if you're talking about just the local arts or theatre industry, it my first production, I saw so many people, a ton of people. I thought, wow, this is established. This mm. is a vibrant industry. Um, and only slowly, months after that, a year, two years, I realised how maybe, not, not just theatre, but in the entertainment, uh, even I'm incorporating film yeah. and, and TV at the same yeah. time also. Um, they're quite a bit fragmented, a bit fractured, but in their realms, in their domains, they have their own life. They have their own niches. They have their own um, vibrancy in, 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 the, in each um, respective realm. Um, and there's so many different things to talk about also to yeah. compare, like as a new actor in the industry, um, who are my peers? Mm. You know, I, I think I can comment a little bit on that now um, that, there are a couple of established art schools that are churning out year after year batches of um, acting students mm. or, or graduates who are going to come out as performers. Um, these schools also have resources to link 
um, these students and graduates to the companies, mm. um, potential employers. Yep. So I think I didn't have that at my time. Um, if I am not wrong, the first batches of like a local Singaporean graduates from like La Salle yeah. were probably around that time. And uh, so my peers, I, I think that time there wasn't so much competition in terms of graduates from schools. Yeah. Um, I, I think, I guess it's a double-edged sword. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yep. I'm not sure where I'm going with this right now. <laughs> I'm just trying to compare, like, because you asked me at that time, was it vibrant or not? Yeah. Uh, so, so yes and no also. Yeah. But now it's so vibrant because it's like, there's a whole ecosystem also like, um, there's the feeder schools to feed talent into the industry. But at the same time, it's also kind of flooding the industry. Mm. Um, so so it's, it's it's good or bad. It seems very vibrant, but then are there enough opportunities? Yep. Um, there are only so many acting jobs there out are. there. Um, I guess that's why as an artist in Singapore, you have to wear many hats. And that's why mm. I have those few hats that I finally managed to narrow down to yep. focusing on. So what I'm curious to know is when you first started, um, did you have any goals that you wanted to to hit or you wanted to accomplish certain things by, uh, I want to star in X number of productions by the time I'm 30 or by the time I'm 31? Was there goals like that? I think I, I should have. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. I should gotcha. have put some numbers to yep. it. Yep. <laughs> it was very, uh, I think I needed this at that time, but I was very idealistic. What does that mean? Um, I had this sense of invulnerability. I had this sense of, I definitely can do it. Mm. This confidence. And I'm very I'm, I'm, I'm very objective to say it wasn't arrogance, but I was just very confident I could do it. Um, it was, and I, and I don't think I was delusional. I don't think I was in denial. Yeah. Um, because firstly, I had people from the industry asking me to do it in the first place. So that to me was a big signal that, yeah, I can make it. If these people who have made it say I can, who am I to say no, 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 I I can't. Like I'm, I'm just. Re I'm. How can I reject your expert opinion? You know, yeah. that's one way to think about it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know. So, um, and I think it didn't hit me at first, but someone was sharing with me about how, uh, firstly, find something that you like to do, mm. right? Um, and you feel that you are good at doing, and finally someone else in the relevant field telling you that you are good at it. So these three things came together for me and, and mm. that's why I had this confidence that I was able to do it. And my then girlfriend, um, now wife, yep. uh, fortunately, <laughs> when I told her about my decision, it wasn't even a question. You know, I, I didn't even realize, I didn't even ask her, can I join this industry? You know, what would you think? I wasn't even considering, um, so this might sound bad on my part, I, I wasn't, empathizing her position, her insecurities, like this artist um, partner of hers, you know, um, the, 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 the stereotypical connotations with an artist, like, oh, you know, you're going to be poor, in, uh, income instability, yep. et cetera. Yep. I never considered those things mm. uh, for her, but I just felt so confident I, I can do it. You yep. know, I will be able to do it. Yep. Um, and I guess, yeah, it, it was necessary for me at that point in order to keep going. Because yeah. honestly speaking, the first year was really tough. Um, if you look back at my bank statement from that time, <laughs> apart from my first paycheck, yeah. 
my numbers barely moved upwards. Not a lot of activity. You know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, a lot of activity of, of withdrawals, perhaps. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. The, the first thing was, I, I even started acting um, for amateur clubs just mm. to gain experience. You know, even though I wasn't paid, but I would spend like like four weeks of rehearsals and rehearsals just at night. Yeah. Um, for uh, in a production that they didn't they didn't pay me. Mm. Yeah. Uh, I I had to do just all those things. Yeah. You know. Um, what was the question again? <laughs> what I'm curious to know is what contributed to this confidence. Are you able to 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 analyze it? What contributed to you feelings of confidence, and did this confidence help you push through the rejections and the the failures even throughout the years? You can mm. imagine it's not an easy journey to to do what you do and to to constantly go for practices and to constantly just keep pushing against it. So, did this confidence help? you throughout your journey yeah so it, it was essential definitely to to have that sense of confidence that sense of invulnerability to last at least the first couple of years mm. um it, it did hit me i think in 2012 um actually even earlier i do remember auditioning for pandemonium's production and and didn't get it you know mm. up to today i've not been in any pandemonium production at all yeah uh, and they've been around for I think thirteen years, about yep. the same, yeah, time. I think they did it. They started in twenty ten. Anyway, um, so when I didn't get in, you know, I was so so sure I was gonna get in. I was just sort of hyping um, yourself up, yeah, <laughs> you know, because um, I think I think back then they were just casting new or, or young um, actors yeah. of a certain age bracket, yep. and I thought that. Yeah, that's my age bracket, and I don't think there are many of my age bracket there at that time. Yep. When it to have not been picked was a huge blow for me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how I sustain after that, I'm not too sure. I think just pure grit, or um, uh, I I guess I just persevered. Yeah. Or I had kind of the faith that other things will come. It, it was a lesson for me. Yes, I think it was definitely a lesson for me to learn that other things will come. Um, and I can't have everything. Nobody can have everything. Yeah. So it was a good wake-up call for me. Um, very valuable lesson to learn. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, to not let that just take over my whole world and just because of one rejection, yeah. Um, just like see myself as a failure and and and, and stop. Yeah, it's an important lesson to learn when oh, the yeah. stakes are low. Oh yeah. 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 <laughs> so, so how <laughs> have you learned to to navigate rejection and and not getting roles right now? Are mm. you better today uh in, in in navigating it because I can imagine when you feel much for a role and you feel like you should get it and not getting it, I mm. can imagine that would sting no matter mm. how experienced you are as an actor or uh, going through these ca- casting calls and stuff like that. Mm. I think I'm handle it better now. Um because of the way I f- frame myself going to the audition room or the way I approach auditions, mm. um, it's that it's not so much how good you are, although your skill does play a part, but at the end of the day, it's how well you fit the role. Mm. You know. And I recently just watched, um, what's his name? Brian Cranston. There was one reel on, on, on Instagram I came across and he was just talking about the job of an actor. Mm. Um, the job of an actor is not to get the job. So the job of an actor is to um, to go into audition, to create in your best possible way what you think that character is, your version of that character mm. to your best ability, and see if that person wants that or not. 
you know it's not about whether you are good or or not um so i think that that kind of framing really helped it's it's a fit it's yep. not whether you're good or not it's it's whether you fit or not yep and if you don't fit that's it because you're just born this way this is who you are if yep. you don't fit that that's not your fault this is just who you are yep. um and just as other people might fit that role you fit others you know yeah yep. so i think i handle it much better now with that in mind yep yeah there might be some roles that appeal to me that like oh i think this is interesting this is exciting to play and if i don't get it yeah it might sting it still stings it, it definitely would hurt a bit yep but i think i managed that better um by telling myself there'll be something else yeah, yeah. Yep. and maybe just having uh five gin and tonics that night <laughs> <laughs> i wish you were, i wish you would have started out of that <laughs> yeah so you you mentioned that you never had any formal training and i'm curious to know like as you progress through your journey um is it something that weighed heavily with you like not having that like formal training or not having that foundation or that base to 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 try different things while well, it sounds as though you were just pushed into the industry and you had to figure your your your, your shit out mm. yeah um it was on my mind at the beginning i felt um oh now that i think about it i think it was like kind of an imposter syndrome kind of thing like i don't have any qualifications how mm. am i uh qualified to be on stage with yeah. all these wonderful actors you know um until i remember myself hey some of them also have no formal training <laughs> you know back then um you know they 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 graduated with a law degree and then they started acting on stage yep. uh, there, there was no theater studies course whatever yep. um <clears throat> so I didn't need to beat myself up for that. But at the same time, uh so going back to like like in order to teach to get income stability. Yeah. I was even thinking about um getting a, a sort of a degree. I contemplated a a, a course in La Salle. Mm-hmm. I was looking at NAFA yep. uh, as well. But I couldn't do I couldn't spend 3 years just going to school again. Um I started looking at one year courses. Yep. Um, there was a method acting course in in LA, the Lee Strasberg. Um, wow, you know that 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 I, I can't remember its full name, but Lee Strasberg like acting school. Yep, and they had a one year method acting course, so maybe I could do that and then have some skill in acting and then come back and and, and be a, a qualified actor. You know that kind of yep. thing. I even contemplated that. There was also, I mean, there are acting programs in Singapore also for the youth. So mm. Wild Rice had Young and Wild, which I signed up for also. Um, but something went awry, and it lasted for uh, just a couple of months. And the, that that particular year, the group disbanded. So I was like, "Oh, yeah. my learning stopped." <laughs> yep. Um, I don't know. So the 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 stars didn't align for me to go and study yep. acting or anything drama related. Um, then I I guess Bopi alone, no choice. I just just do. Yeah, I have. Uh, I had a, a theater veteran tell me that. Don't worry about these kind of things, you know. Don't care. No need to go and study. Just learn on the job. That's the best place to learn. Learn on the job. Yeah, learn on the job. Yeah. What make fool use? Just be a sponge when you're in rehearsals. Watch everyone. See what they do. Yeah. Absorb everything you can. It's the best place to learn. Yeah. You know, to be with people who are actually doing the thing you want to do. Yep. So, advice like that, you know, uh, things like that, just contributed to me saying, okay, I think, yeah, I can just let go of that. Um, dream or goal of needing to have some kind of formal education, have a piece of paper certify yep. me, or whatever. Um, yeah, so I let go of that after two, three years into my career. Yeah, 
Yeah, and I'm still here. <laughs> <laughs> Good to know. <laughs> Does talent play a part uh, in the space you inhabit? Is there such a thing as, oh, this is, is a very talented actor? Is, is it a, a thing that people say? Because I come from a background of visual arts and that is always a thrown about, oh, this paint is really talented. Curious to know, um, does the word talent, uh, does it matter at all in, in the space you inhabit? Because your medium and the things you do are so different. Well, it does. Um, I mean, talents are you very universal, very applicable term in any field, right? Um, in fact, talent is the word they call the people who, for example, if you shoot a commercial, if you're the actor playing a character, you're called the talent. Mm, yes. you know, the guy. So technically, they already use that word. Yep. Um, but I think what you're talking about is the skill of of the artist or the actor. Yep. Um, it definitely plays a part. You, I think there's a minimum threshold, whatever that is, of talent that you need to have. Yeah. Um, to do well in what you want to do. Yeah. Um, I mean, if you're an accountant, if you're a talented accountant, you're good with numbers, <laughs> right? You can make a good accountant uh, if you're talented in that area. So, you you definitely need to have skill. Uh, in in anything you do, it yep. definitely applies as yep. an actor. Yeah. Yeah. That leads me to my next question. What do you think contributes to being a good actor, mm. and has that changed across your journey? I was blessed growing up with um, people around me who demanded excellence in performance. Mm. Um, so when I joined my choir, um, my choir master was quite hard in terms of um, demanding excellence. Yep. So that helps. Um, that trained um, my singing ability and, and, and to a large extent, the, the voice that yeah. you hear now. Um, not only that, so and my dad also encouraged reading and I remember walking, just like walking along the car park back home after a jog or whatever, and he would just ask me to read the brands and models of the cars, you know, like Toyota, Corolla, yep. and then teaching me how to read. So, yep. and, and pronouncing them correctly. Yep. Um, even when he read books also, um, I don't know when it started, but I, I kind of just clicked in my head to make a conscious decision to speak properly. Mm. Yeah. Uh, it, it got to a point where I think... This was in university, I think. I was, um, because I was very used to the, the musical theater kind of background of singing, enunciating everything correctly. Yeah. And then I think for one of the performances, I needed to do a pop number and I was told to not enunciate. <laughs> <laughs> it yeah. came as a surprise to me, but yep. it was a lesson for me to know how to code switch as well. Mm. Yeah. Um, so that was yeah, just another lesson learned. Yep. Um, okay, so experiences to how, how, how did I grow my skill and my talent? So, so things like that, I think when people demand excellence in in the performance, uh, especially from a young age, that kind of groomed my aptitude and my attitude towards putting up a performance yep. to always put up a good performance. Yep. Yeah. Could it be detrimental though? Mm. Like because it sounds as though excellence, it, it resonates closely with perfection to mm. me. And as you both know, we live in an imperfect world. Nothing mm. can be perfect. But this idea of striving for perfection could potentially put an immense amount of pressure on anybody. Yeah. And especially when you're on stage, you're thinking about so many different things. Mm. Yeah. Could it be detrimental? It could. Yeah. When it crosses a line um of abuse. Yeah. Right? Uh um, a tiger mom demanding excellence in um, studies from her children, that kind of thing. Yep. Um, I don't know where the line is, but I know that there is, there should be a line. Yep. Um, when it when it crosses over to abuse, wherever that line is, it, it's definitely a, a, a no. And yep. that, that is detrimental. Yep. 
So thankfully, I don't think I've been traumatized that much. <laughs> <laughs> that much. <laughs> uh, I mean, suffering does build character. I, I have to agree with that statement. Um, but too much suffering breaks a person too much. So yeah, yeah like, you can't have too you can't have it too easy. Mm. Uh, you you do need to be pushed. Yeah, to be stressed a little bit. You know, we we perform under a little bit of stress. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So yes, it it could be detrimental, but where that line is, I I don't know. It's up to the individual. I, yes, in a way. Um. I I I, don't, I have to leave this up to researchers yeah. or experts to to go and do their thing. Yep. Yeah. yeah. So I have to ask, as you consume media, you consume movies, you go to theater productions. What is evident in the the good actors that you see and the actors that you look up to? What is evident in them and in, in all of them? Are you able to to distinguish what you like about these actors that you hold in high regard? I think it's a very feeling thing. Feeling, okay. Yeah. Uh, being affected by a performance is very visceral. It's so uh, you, you can't describe it. You you just feel it. Yeah. And as a human being, you just know it, and it just happens automatically when you see such a compelling performance mm. on screen or on stage. It just happens. You yep. know, you just feel it, and you can't explain it. Um, as someone in the industry, you might be able to, like, on hindsight, uh, analyze and think about, oh, what does this actor do and stuff like that. Um, I don't know how to do that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I never went to school. I know there's like film school where they study film and what the director does or what yep. the actor does and stuff like that. Yep. Um, you can't do that for stage though, unless you record a production. Yep. Yeah, but so for so a live performance, uh, you, you can't do that. But you just feel it, uh, and. So I really can't tell you how or um, how does an what makes an actor good for me. Yep. Yeah. How do you uh, ensure that you uh, portray and you give these feelings to the people watching your shows? Then, since it's so <laughs> visceral, and it sounds like there is no, um, there isn't like a theory on it. There isn't something you could go attend a class for. But it's so nebulous. Yeah. Yeah, it is very nebulous. But I think there can be some quantum identifiable elements to it. Uh, And of course, this is just knowledge that I've picked up along Mm. my way um, meeting various directors and actors. Um, So I think a a common rule is um, try to be interesting. (laughs) What what does that mean? Exactly. It's very nebulous also, right? But it's a good question to ask because I I remember going to my director and ask, um, so so is it A or B, you know? And he asked me, which is more interesting? And then it got me thinking. So rather yeah. than also rather than telling me what the answer is, it, it makes me think. And I, I think uh, you, you need to have a mind of your own also to to yeah. make your own decisions as a as an actor. You don't just follow instructions. You yeah. be creative yourself to create a character. Yep. Um, and I, I think it's you know you asked me about like how do I then try to make the audience feel things because it's so nebulous. Yep. I think that really isn't the that is more of a byproduct ah, of the process. Yeah. For me now, I think my process is focusing more on the work itself. Mm. I just have to trust that um, with the guidance of the director who has the vision of the entire production, the entire show, uh, what I do with my character can fit into that direction that then goes to the audience. Yeah. My job then, um, as the great Brian Creston said, is to just focus on my character yeah. and create it in the best way, most interesting way yeah. possible that I can do. And 
if it fits with the director's vision, then he takes it and puts it in the larger picture mm. and it goes to the audience and they feel it. Yep. Um, so that's just my part. I staying true to the the work rather than thinking, what is the audience gonna how, how am I gonna make them feel that hey, I'm good, you know, yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, I I some people might want to do that. Mm. Um, but by all means, uh, but that's not where I, I will enter my work. Yeah. yeah, it's also a reframing of how you look at things because ultimately, as 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 much as you you think about all these things, you are just one part of a whole cast, mm. and you have the sound design team and the lighting. You're just mm. one part of an entire production. There's no way you can you can try to take on the burden of so many things, and yeah, because <laughs> you just have to focus on what you can do. Exactly. Yeah. So you mentioned before that you wear different hats, and that has been uh, constantly being streamlined over the years. I'm curious to know how. Are the skills transferable between these different roles and these different identities that you have? And how have they helped you uh, to be a better actor or to be a better host or to be a better theater actor? Yeah. I think one common theme is uh, I I like the various ways I can use my voice. Mm. Um, so all the things that I've streamlined to doing make use of my voice. Um, it... Hmm. Repeat that, please. <laughs> like you have an incredible voice. <laughs> Thank no, you. I'm just curious to know how, as you've continuously streamlined mm. uh, your your jobs, your identities, and the, the different roles that you take on, how have they helped each other and mm. uh, enable ah, yes. you to become a better actor? The, 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 the cross uh, pollination of these different things. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So transferable skills. Yeah, I think that that was the the main thing, right? So yep. the use of my voice. So the common thing between the the, the various roles that I play is the, the use of my voice. Um, and I think because of that, I have found that these are the things I want to focus on, mm. um, acting, singing, uh, uh, voiceovers, uh, hosting. Yeah. Um, so they definitely, a lot of things definitely overlap. Yeah. Um, they complement each other. And I think I wasn't, this wasn't brought to my attention, but uh, an actor friend of mine who knows my CNA um, not 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 my right now because I'm I'm freelance. I'm not employed by CNA. But yep. the the Why It Matters program that I was on, the the, the big boss at the time, uh, is a friend of my theater friend. Yeah. Um, and my theater friend actually told her that what actually makes me uh, uh, an engaging host for that program is actually it's because I'm an actor. My acting informs mm. my performance as a host. Mm. And when she first mentioned that, I actually didn't really understand why, you know. Um, but now I kind of get it. The the it's a very unconscious thing, but the act, the attitudes and the the aptitude that an actor has really transfers to the kind of presenter that the program needed, um, in order to convey certain things to an audience mm. in a not so. Um, it, it's not like being a newscaster. You yep. know, it's, it's quite different. Yep. Um, so my acting actually helped me be a better host. Mm. Yeah. So that, that that's kind of that kind of complementary things going on between the two, di between different fields. Yeah. And as you mm. recognize, let's say this is like your comfort zone and you can really excel at what do you think is outside of your comfort zone then? What do you personally find challenging mm. uh, in the, the different fields that you're in? Okay. So in the field of theater, um, I am quite 
my body, I, I feel like I don't have full control over my body. It's very weird to say well, this as a theatre actor. Yeah. Um, there's, a, there's, a, there's a so-called genre, mm. I don't know whether it's a genre, it's a type of theatre called physical theatre, mm-hmm. where it's the use of the body to really portray and to tell the story. Um, obviously, as the name suggests, it's demanding physically. Yep. Um, so I'm not talking about like lack of stamina or whatever. Mm. I'm just talking about the like a dancer. You know why some people can just dance like that? Some people about them, yeah? very touch up yep. dancing. You know, so I'm a, a bit like that. I don't have full control of my body in such a fluid, um, beautiful, and attractive manner. Um, I'm coming out like in between. Yeah. I, I guess I can pass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I have been able to. Past. Yes. <laughs> yep. um, so if you ask me, is, is there something that I feel uncomfortable? I do feel that is uh, my weak, one of my weak points yep. as an artist in yep. the industry. Yep. Yeah. Um, I also am not, as a host, I'm not the super flamboyant, uh, loud, rowdy, um, like hosting a road show event kind yeah. of host. Yep. I think I had one gig like that before and I just felt so embarrassed for myself and for the the, the, the company, the brand that I was supposed to help mm. promote. Yeah. So that was also a learning point for me. So, okay, I don't suit that. Um, do yourself a favor, do everyone a favor and and don't go for that kind of <laughs> jobs, you know? Yeah. So that, that part of the streamlining is just, yeah. yeah, trying out things. And I think that's my... So, so that's, I won't say it's a weak point, it's not, but it's not something that I automatically excel in. Yep. You know, I think I've got to work harder to get there. Yeah, maybe the gin and tonics might help. Lah. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm curious to know, how do you personally conceptualize growth? Well, what does it mean to you? Does it mean to, to cover the, the, the weakness that you just mentioned and to be mm. better at that and to excel in the, the more physical aspects of uh, acting and theater and the voice as well? Or do you feel like... Uh, to, to, to double down more on what you're actually good at and to not uh, care as much about what, what, what mm. you, how, how do you conceptualize growth? And I ask because um, going back to what we said about how it feels like as an individual and as a creative, you are charting out your own growth. You're planning what you want to do next. You're planning what next steps and what interests you. I'm curious to know what your thoughts on that. Okay. So I can't comment much on the what my next steps are uh, planning. <laughs> That's a... Uh, um, I can't plan what the future holds because I'm not my own employer. Mm. I I can say some things to want to manifest things to the universe or whatever. But ultimately, I, I don't know which company is going to hire me next. I don't know what company is going to do a certain production that I might um, be a good fit for. Yeah. You know, um, How do I conceptualize growth? It's, again, it's quite nebulous. Mm. Uh, it's a very feeling, feeling thing. Mm. If I feel like I have done good work, Okay, that's that's great. Uh, that's also very subjective. Yep. Um, f- I guess if you want to put numbers to it, then uh, how many jobs, how many theater companies want to hire you, or not just theater companies, but uh, TV productions yeah. and, and stuff like that? Uh, do they come back to you? Do they ask for you again? That kind of thing. Uh, so that's quantifiable. Um, pets on the back uh, in terms of <laughs> 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 yeah. verbal. Verbal affirmations from from my theater kakis, um, especially those uh, that I more 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 veterans, um, audience members. Uh, those those are very precious, yeah. you know, very precious. Um, I guess to a lesser extent, those 
those that might seem important to the public eye, mm. um, awards, nominations and stuff like that. So yep. I have had a few. So obviously happy to receive whenever news like that comes. Yeah. Uh, it's happy news. It's good news. Uh, yeah, I, I, it's a pat on the back. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Okay, this might be a bit controversial, but I, I think I've not expressed this publicly before. Um, so I was nominated for a role I did in 2018. Yeah. Uh, so the role, uh, the production was done in 2018. So 2019 was the nomination. So this was a uh, Straits Times Live Theatre Awards nomination. Yeah. So it was for a role in uh, a production, in, in one production. Mm -hmm. And I just felt that, yeah, I did another production that I really found the role super meaty and I really put my heart into it and I really felt very good for the role because it was a challenging role. Um, but there was no mention. I, I didn't get nominated for that mm. one. So I was just thinking to myself, and, and it was not just my sentiment. Someone else also voiced that to me. And I, oh yeah, you echo the same sentiment. And it it's just something, uh, a reminder to myself that then these awards things also, it's just, a, it's an opinion of a few people. Yeah. Um, not that they're invalid. I mean, they can have their opinion and this is their opinion. Yeah. And that, that is it. Uh, so I am thankful to have been nominated for that production. Um, but personally speaking, I just felt that the other one, I, I wish that that one would have been recognized, you know, publicly mm. speaking. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I guess these are the things um, to to tell me that, okay, I, I am growing. Uh, I have put in good work. Yep. Um, and I think as long as I'm gainfully employed. <laughs> <laughs> Let that be the metric then. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it is a metric, right? Yep. Yeah. What about pursuing uh, passions that have nothing to do with acting, nothing mm. to do with theater, nothing to do with uh, things that you are inhabiting the space of? What about mm. uh, pursuing those interests? Do you have those interests? I have a passion in coffee. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, and yeah, it just started to grow. This this hobby started. <laughs> it's, a rabbit, it's a rabbit hole. No? Oh <laughs> it my is, gosh. It is, it is. Did, did you have the machine and you uh, do it every morning or something? <laughs> so don't talk about machine yet, yeah. okay? Because when you talk about machine, I think of espresso and yeah. then it's a huge rabbit hole by itself that yeah. I'm, I am, I have thankfully um, stayed away from entering for a very long time. <laughs> For for almost three years already, because when COVID happened and yep. whatever, and then I cannot make, I cannot go and have my latte or, yep. or flat white outside. Yep. Then espresso at home, <laughs> <laughs> you know. So that sent you down uh, the path, yeah. Yeah, and and Reddit. Oh my gosh, Reddit is such a kind of But thankfully, I've not spent a whole fortune on that. Yeah, I've not gone down that rabbit hole. Yep. But before that, I have had like um more affordable coffee options <laughs> that people still like. Huh? Wow, you are into coffee, yeah? Yeah. So I like buy my own beans. I grind my own beans at home. I bring my portable um, coffee maker called an Aeropress, go to rehearsals. Yeah. And to rehearsals? Yeah, to rehearsals. So like during a break, during lunch break, I, yeah. I get to make it. As, as, as long as I have hot water, I can make my coffee. I grind yep. my own beans with my hand grinder, <laughs> pour into the thing. And then yep. so people say like, wow, you're already into coffee, yeah? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I'm one of the weird coffee guys in yep. the industry. Yep. Um, <clears throat> but more lately, um, I am passionate about my wife's work. So mm. like I mentioned just now, I, I mean, we've incorporated as a private limited. Uh, I'm a co-director of the company of this uh, psychology private practice. Mm. Um, and I'm just trying to be, it's my first time running a business. So it's 
I've not studied business yeah. um, despite coming from SMU, but I didn't, I don't have a business <laughs> degree, you know, business management was not my thing. Yep. Uh, so this is really just treading in uncharted waters for me. Yep. Uh, another path that I've not been on. Um, just like uh, just like acting actually. Yeah. Uh, but so far, I think so good. Yeah. Uh, still trying to learn. Yep. Uh, steep learning curve. <laughs> <laughs> why has this yeah. opportunity with the psychology business? Why has it intrigued you? And why does it interest you? Because it, I have personally been uh, affected by it. Um, I mean, wherever there's people, there's psychology. Yes. You know, and uh, we believe that psychology is for everyone, and it's not just for people who have uh, um, well-being uh, problems, uh, mental health difficulties. Uh, it, it should be seen as a life essential. Mm. And if I think, I think the pandemic should have planted some seeds that our mental well-being is very important to to sustain life. You know. Um, but okay, so we'll be going back to personally being affected by it. it's not so much the lockdown and stuff like that because I was pretty fortunate that I still had work going on. Yep. But more so of my children. Mm. And, you know, when I had my first child, my wife one day told me that I have never seen you so angry before. This is a new side of me that she's totally never seen. And yep. there's something about just having a child that triggers something in you, mm. in, in, in any parent, I believe, um, who has... I mean, latent, um, I, I, I hesitate to use this word because I don't know a better word to use, but latent trauma from before. Mm. Yeah. Um, and we are very much affected by our upbringing mm. as much as other literature or, or pop psychology out there might say otherwise. Um, she, she, my, my wife has a specialty in attachment theory and attachment mm. framework, you see. Yeah. So she, the, 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 the whole framework believes that from young already, the, our roots our caregiving, the way we were brought up, formed the foundation for our personality, how we we deal with people, our relationships with people. And um, it's very popular to say, oh, what the attachment style are you? <laughs> that kind of thing, you know, you see on Instagram. Yeah. It's very pop psychology. Yeah. Um, so I think one of the, 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 the focuses or one of our goals is also to put out good evidence-based um, psychology knowledge for people mm. to learn. So it's not wrong to learn about attachment styles, but there are a lot of nuances that are missing from these short one-minute yeah. video clips that you watch on Instagram, is yeah. Um, So she has a PhD in psychology. Attachment is her thesis. Yeah. It's her research. It's her specialty. So that's one of our goals to put out good um, psychology knowledge out there yeah. uh, in uh, in an aesthetically pleasing way, in, in a way that is attractive to people and that people want to go and see and absorb. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so two fronts. So, personally affected as a parent, um, that my attachment wounds or trauma before, yeah. and trying to heal from that to take care of my children better so that they grow up better. Yeah. Um, and just wanting her mission, wanting to promote her mission as far as and wide as possible. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds wonderful. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I have to ask, as you understand the different parts of yourself and you understand the different triggering points you have, how does this understanding and this awareness, how does it feed back into the different roles that you choose and the different roles that you play and how does the experiences make you a better actor or make you really embody the role that you play? Hmm. 
I think I'm going to borrow the words from one of my directors, Zetian. Uh, he says to, as an actor, you just have to be very sensitive. Very sensitive. Yeah, you have to hone your... Um, you have to treat sensitivity as a skill and hone it. Be sensitive to people, to mm. things, to life. That then builds your library of, of, of feelings, of emotions, of experiences that you then pull together um, to feed into your character. Mm. Yeah. And ultimately, whatever you see on stage or on the screen is sh- or should be a, a reflection of life or a version of it. A you reflection know? of life or version of yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, because if you talk about uh, fantasy, science yeah. fi, sci-fi, that kind of thing, um, you know, it's not, obviously it's not real life dragons, <laughs> right? That kind of thing. Yeah. But the humanity of it, because I think what draws people to to stories and shows is the humanity in these stories. Yeah. You see, um, beyond the, 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 the car crashes, the big booms, the, the gunfights and magic and whatever, it's the heart of stories are the heart of people, yeah. heart of humanity. Yeah. And honing your skill of sensitivity then feeds that, feeds into your work for that to come and shine through. Yeah. yeah. How did you learn to, to trust yourself, to embody, let's say, a role that you might not have experienced, mm-hmm. but it's, it's, it's you, you accepted the role and you have to portray that character. How do you learn to trust yourself by having... You don't have that perhaps experience to draw from, but you still have to, to put out the, the the best show you can do. Mm. I'm not sure I trust myself actually. It's <laughs> <laughs> all doubts. most of the time. Yeah, I was like, am I doing this right? Mm. Oh, you don't dare. That's not saying anything. So okay, let's just carry on doing it. Well, yeah. I'll try something else the next rehearsal. Yeah. Uh, I think I I go back to the text. Um, as always. Um, actually, yeah, tell me to think of it. Since young, I've always been reading a lot, right? Everything is just uh, fed into my brain through the text, the yep. words on the page. Yep. Uh, keep going back to it and let that inform me how I want to build the character or how the character, in my opinion, yep. is like. Um, yeah, I used to imagine voices, right? How characters speak. I, I think when I read a script for the first time, the words, how the sentence structure, the words they use informs that interesting yeah and yeah. and almost quite automatically right um and of course i've i've built a whole library of of experiences of 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 watching so many different shows and seeing so many different kind of characters reading so many things so that's all in my knowledge structure that i have floating around in in whatever brain i have yep um and then the words come out to me in and it goes into my brain and it triggers whatever things that happens inside there and then just automatically creates, uh, goes into my imagination and then and that inner voice just pops. Yeah. And then, oh, okay, yep. maybe that's one version, mm. you know? Uh, but I've also to tell myself that that's just one version and I put it on the floor and then see what the director says. And a lot of times, yeah, the directors will say, okay, can we go back to that or can we not have this? And yeah, it's it's also through practicing trial and error. Yeah. Yeah, to, to hone... To, to kind of zoom in where the character is yeah. or what the character is. Yeah. So let's say when a director gives you like a script, it's on paper. Um, and as you start reading it through the script and uh, what the, the role requires of you, do you start thinking about these uh, characters as real individuals, how they might act, how they might speak, and you let that kind of inform uh, how you want to present and how you want to portray yourself? Is that the, the, the kind of processes that, that goes through your head or is there something else? Yeah, um, it happens on a few levels. Yeah. Uh, I mean, firstly, um, there's what, there's what's the character like? 
Um, if you're lucky, the playwright might give you a short description of what the character mm-hmm. is, age, um, ethnicity, if any, or like now I'm playing a mosquito. Yes, <laughs> totally <laughs> that's what I'm going to ask later. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it, it, at the basic level, the individual level of the character, um, yeah. then you it, it gets informed like what I said about um, how the character speaks, mm. the word choices. There might be certain stage directions of how the character moves, um, the, what the character chooses to do. Does the character smoke, um, which might inform certain things? Um, does the character like to shout or is it very soft? That kind of thing. Uh, so that's on the the basic individual character level. Yeah. Then there's also the the it moves up to within the the world, right? Um, which period is this in mm-hmm. that kind of thing? Yeah. Um, and ultimately it goes up to the higher level of well, what's, what's the aim of the story? And then maybe what's the aim of the company that's choosing to show this story to the world? Mm, interesting. You know, yeah. th- th- there are many levels. So where where do you fit into, where does your character fit into that? Um, to feed all those levels. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Where does improvisation, where does it uh, lay uh when when trying to flesh out what uh, this character might feel like, what this character might sound like, is it something you you do a bit with the director and with the playwright, or is it something that you try to not do as much but to stick to the script? Mm. It really depends on the work, and also depends on the people in the work. Some directors allow a lot of play, mm. a lot of room for play. In fact, they might schedule time to improvise things. Interesting. Like give you a scenario, okay, and you're this character, you're this character, okay, interact. Yeah. And then throwing a stimulus and then see how you react yep. to it. Um, <clears throat> that can help in world building to, yeah. to build the psychological realism for the actor, yep. for the character. Yep. Um, there might, and I think I used to, a, as a younger performer, I used to be very rigid in terms of uh, the script says this, so I have uh, to say this then. Um, I, I shouldn't add ad lip ad lip any lines into yep. it, right? Yep. Um, hey, but I see, hey, this theater senior does it, leh. hey, this other actress also does it. Uh, so I can do it, you know? <laughs> um, that I don't know. So it, it, is, it really depends. And it's trial and error. Yep. And it depends on who the director is, who is in the room. Um, sometimes the situation also, like, does it call for it? Uh, some directors or playwrights are open to the actor's input because they trust the actor's instinct so much that yep. you feel like doing this, you feel like actually saying this, okay, let's put it into the show. Let's put it into the script because it makes sense. Mm-hmm. Sometimes a playwright um, in his or her own bubble may not flesh things out so well yet, yep. you know, and then only on the floor you realize, oh, okay, then this makes sense. So it, it, it's, uh, there's a lot of, collab going on a lot of coordination a lot of as long as we're open to discussion yep. open to adapt yep. yeah but at the same time depending on the timeline perhaps you know you have to <laughs> lock things down please yep. stop yep. ad-libbing or yep. whatever yep. yeah so it really depends there's a whole gamut yep. yeah has there been a particular role or character that you have taken on before that affected you affected me or changed you has there been a role like that or like a character you've taken on? Um, I think, I don't think any one character has changed me profoundly. Yep. Um, but I do remember uh, my first role after my first daughter was born. Mm. I found myself um, 
So I, I took a few months off just to take care of her. Firstborn, stay at home dad. Yeah, fair. You know, uh, I, I pushed away projects and then the first project I took up after that, I just found myself drawing inspiration, not not deliberately, but like, eh, why is her essence seeping into what I'm doing? Uh, you so, can't describe it as well. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I can't really describe it. I, I guess it also makes sense because the character I played was kind of, he's a very more simple character. Yep. Um, I guess in more layman term, he he's slower. Uh, the IQ isn't very high. Um, so that, that's why he's a very simple so in that sense, uh, I'm much more innocent, you know, mm. uh, not 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 street smart, just very naive and innocent. So maybe the innocence from my child seeped into just naturally. I I thought that it was appropriate for the character, so mm. it kind of seeped into my delivery of the character, yeah. what I created. Um, I don't know why I use this example as uh, what character <laughs> changed me profoundly. Um, yeah. but I just thought that was the most. A uh, different process I felt in creating a character. Yeah, yeah. It's also I, something that you have to be open to to let it happen as well. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, in in talking about uh, taking on different roles and taking on different characters, there's oftentimes um, like this is this is an individual. Their their thoughts and their feelings. I want to talk about your upcoming role in the production where mm. you play a mosquito. <laughs> yes. <laughs> what is going through your mind or what has gone through your mind when they you 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 receive the script and you're, you're playing a mosquito where I mean it's 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 debatable whether they have thoughts or not it's debatable whether they have memories or not mm. so what do you draw on for that mm. particular role okay so when I first got wind that I was going to play a mosquito I was ecstatic because ecstatic, like, okay. I'm like yes I'm going to play a character that's just so out of this world just so <laughs> Not the run of the mill, um, like uh, a teenager or, mm. or, or a, a student or a teacher, yep. uh, or a, a basically a Chinese man in a yep. family kind of role. Yep. This is a mosquito, you know. It's <laughs> gonna be fun, and it's it's uh, this is meant to be a comedy. So yep. okay, we're gonna have fun with this, you know. I had no idea whatsoever what what this mosquito role was about mm-hmm. until the first read, and I'm like, oh, he's quite human, huh? Hey, he's also quite abing. Uh yeah, and that's like wow, this this character is fun. Yeah, yeah, it is fun to play. And then I realized that mosquitoes don't live, especially male mosquitoes. Because I'm playing a male mosquito, uh, they don't live very long, you know. Mm. Yeah, and the play is called Three Years in yep. the Life and Death of Land, mm. and it spans three years. So, am I the same mosquito from the first scene to the last scene? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yep. It turns out I'm not. Yep. Interesting. <laughs> what a twist. <laughs> I hope you're not spoiling anything. Oh, what an interesting twist. Yep. Yeah. So did the process of uh trying to flesh out and figure out this role where you're playing not an individual, not a person, did it did you try different things with regards to it to mm. to to <clears throat> figure things out and to figure out what uh would fit best and what would look best on stage? Mm. So I tried an accent. For a mosquito. Yeah. But they don't speak. Uh, so this one does. Okay. Okay. Good to know. Okay. Yes. Okay. Okay. So this one does. Um, so it's that kind of hyper real mm. uh, uh, kind of play. You have uh, a couple of families and obviously they're humans and they, they, they live. Um, but they are what um, playwright Haresh calls uh, the oddballs. So there's a mosquito. Um, there's a cat. 
uh, there's a ghost. <laughs> so we are like the oddballs and we kind of hang around this uh, another human. So we, obviously we live in a household yeah. and we were, um, we were kind of we're kind of attached to one of the characters uh, called Regina, played by Reshan. Um, so we are the oddballs yeah. and we all speak, you know, and, but also at the same time, in the reality of the play, we are still the the creatures that we yep. are. Yeah, so you will see a human on stage, yep. but I'm still supposed to be a mosquito. Yeah, but you get to hear me, you get to hear what I say, what my inner thoughts are. And that's just most interesting, isn't it? Yeah, for an audience, like, have you ever heard a mosquito's... <laughs> Mosquito talk. Mosquito Hopefully in not. Singapore <laughs> yeah. talk. Yeah. I mean, once like, in 1994 when Hosan Leong first played uh, Mosquito back mm. then. Yeah. <laughs> what drew you to to taking on this role and this project? What stood out to you when mm. they first presented the idea apart from it being a very unique uh, position and role? Yeah. Um, with the necessary stage, I am very inclined to just say yes from the get-go. Um, they were one of the first companies that I worked with and they have seen me grow. Mm-hmm. Um, they have played a big part in, in, in growing me as an actor, um, giving me the opportunities to to hone my skill, yeah. uh, to tell their stories. So that's why when it comes to, to TNS, um, it's very easy to say yes to them. On top of that, the the actors that I'm, I'm, I'm in this with, um, uh, well, namely Karen Tan, Gafe Akbar, Lian Satan, Siti Kaleja, uh, and myself, we, the five of us were in a production called Those Who Can't Teach way back in 2017. Yeah, this Damn. Six years ago. Six so years ago, yeah. The premise for this show wasn't actually just the, just the, the this show. It was a production that was meant to um, happen um, maybe last year or the year before, but COVID. Yeah. And it was just a show that they wanted to do with the five of us. Mm. So immediately I would just say yes, yep. because it's with them. Yep. I love them so much. I love just love working with them so much. And it's with TNS. So I just said yes. Yep. Whatever show it was. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. You know? Okay. Yeah. Um, so when they finally revealed that, okay, this is going to be at the Singtel Waterfront Theatre, you know, Esplanade's new theatre. And uh, we're going to do this show. It's going to be a revival of this show. It's going to be fun. And there's going to be more actors also. Uh, so it, it was just more yes, more yes, more yes. Yeah. Does performing with actors and people that you have performed with before, does it add a layer of magic to it? Or do you have a preference to perform with people that you have no idea, with, uh, no, no, you, you have never performed with them before and you let that spring forth? What do you think? I like both. Yeah. Um, that's the politically correct answer. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, but truth be told, obviously it's more comfortable to work with people that you've worked with before, that you've enjoyed working with before, you know, you've put up good work with. Um, and you know when you're put in a room where there are strangers, you these are the people you've only met for the first time. Um, there's always a sense of awkwardness at the beginning, uh, maybe a sense of insecurity. Mm. Not so much about them, but about yourself. Like, yep. oh no, uh, I hope I make a good impression yep. on you. That kind of thing. Especially when they're like the younger actors, if especially you know if they've just graduated and then. They, the first thing they tell you is that, oh yeah, I saw you in this, I saw you in that. <laughs> and like, oh, okay, thank you so much. And then there's like, actually a lot of pressure, yeah. you know. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> but it's interesting to hear that you experience that because I, I have this strange idea that let's say you have, you have been in this industry for so long, you rock up to, let's say a reading with people that you 
are meeting for the first time, it's all easy peasy. But it's interesting that you mentioned that, that there is still a bit of the anxiety. It's like first day at school, basically, and you have to work with them because ultimately at the end of everything, you still have to put up a fantastic production. Mm. Yeah. So I'm curious though, what do you find challenging specifically about this production? What have you found challenging? This production, um, oof. I think trying to marry the absurd, because I am a mosquito, um, with the natural. Uh, and at the same time, um, stay true to uh, what a mosquito's natural instincts are. Because I'm not a mosquito. <laughs> I, I can testify to that. Uh, I... Yeah, that's the toughest part to try to marry the absurd with the natural. Yeah. To try not to make it too out of this world that becomes unbelievable. Uh, to try not to do things that are um, that might seem like I'm just trying to uh, attract attention, for lack of better phrase. Um, yeah, I, I, it's it's just trying to marry the two. Yeah, for me at the moment. Yeah. And as we continue this tangent about roles and characters. What attributes of roles and characters in the media that you like, in the media that you consume, what stands out to you? I think um, story-wise, rich stories that uh, take you on a journey. Mm. Um, I think quite recently, uh, The the Sandman on Netflix. Mm. Um, I mean, I read the graphic novels, so I knew what what the the material was like. but it's such a wonderful story um, that the world that Neil Gaiman had created and uh, thankfully the the, the, the show delivered because I know the fan base is so hard to please fans, right? Uh, I mean, yep. I, I don't really consider myself to be like hardcore Neil Gaiman fan or whatever, but I mean, Simon was something I really liked, yep. not say loved, yep. um, but uh, I, I really hoped that it was good and, and it was. Yep. I, I really enjoyed it yep. despite whatever people talk about like... Um, the casting choices and whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so story. Story is something that um, you bring me on a journey. There are a lot of interesting elements uh, to it. I think I guess that's why I'm kind of draw, drawn to fantasy and sci-fi. Yep. I've been binging a lot of like uh, Star Trek Picard. Mm. Um, I, Rings of Power. Uh, yep. You know, a lot of Rings stuff. Yep. Um, I just finished the latest season of Black Mirror. Uh, Thoughts? <laughs> <laughs> um, I feel like they've deviated from the. It's quite or- divisive for some reason. Yeah, I mean, I, I'll just I just take it as what it is, lah. Mm. I mean, they want to go into supernatural stuff like that. Yeah. I just and take it for for what they are. Yep. But, but the earlier seasons where they were very thought provocative in very creative ways, like imagining a future, a dystopian future, or like devices. Um, yeah, la, the, the, the various technologies and how it affects human. Yep. And at the end, at the end of it, I think I mentioned this way earlier just now. The humanity, you see, uh, how it affects humanity. Uh, it's I think the first couple of seasons of of Black Mirror would just captured that so mm. well, and that's why people loved it so much. Yep. Even though it's very dark, and you know there are no happy, rarely any happy, rarely right yeah. maybe one yep. one happy ending yep. out of all the episodes I watched, yep. but. So compelling and so captivating and thought-provoking it makes you think about, yeah, humanity now. Like, do we want to make sure we avoid uh, uh, reaching that kind of uh, a dystopia in future? Yep. Yeah. Um, that's what draws me. That's what makes me want to see things on stage or on, on the screen. Yeah. 
I think individually, like like actors' performance and stuff like that, uh, it's when they are so natural and in it. Um, and and yeah, I think I bring up Brian Cranston again because I watched Breaking Bad and yeah. he just totally totally blew me away. In fact, a lot of the cast in that that show, yeah. Um, like were they really druggies? You know, those, mm. there were a couple of like so-called psychies. Right? They really like are they picked up from the streets <laughs> or what? You know, yeah. But Brian Cranston. So, and these are not my words. I th- believe it was, oh, what's his name? The great. Oh my gosh, I forgot his name already. The Westworld. What's his name? Hannibal. Who played Hannibal? What's his name? Anthony Hopkins. Anthony Hopkins, yes. Yeah. The great Anthony Hopkins. Oh my gosh. I kept thinking Jack Nicholson for some reason. Oh, but I knew it wasn't yeah, him. This is not Nicolas Cage, but okay. No, no, not Nicolas Cage. That one's so very divisive. Yep. Very. As, as is Keanu Reeves. Yep. Uh, but Anthony Hopkins, he himself said that he praised Brian Cranston, you know, and he, he was one of the few actors he saw that wasn't acting. He just was. He, he just let himself be the character. So that... Uh, to me as an actor, individually speaking, was a very powerful performance. Mm. Yeah. So things like that draws yep. me. Yep. I have to ask, what is unique about the medium of theatre? I ask because mm. theatre oftentimes seems like something relatively unattractive. If you try to think about the the media landscape we have today, uh, it's the ease of access for, let's say, something like Netflix where you can just log on and just watch eight hours of it. But theatre feels like something uh, it could be like, oh, it has to be like an occasion. You have to go down. You have to sit there for like an hour and a half. You can't use your phone because you have to pay attention. <laughs> so I have to ask, um, being in the industry, what is unique about the media? The only thing, uh, I mean, sorry, the only thing I can think of is that it's, the show hasn't ended yet. Mm. It's still ongoing. Anything that you can find on the streaming platforms, in the cinema, the performance has already ended some way or another. It has gone into the editing studio, yep. processed, et cetera, et cetera, and then put into the final form for you on your device or yep. on the screen. Theatre, when you're waiting in the theatre, sitting in the seat, it hasn't started. Mm-hmm. And the moment it starts, it does not end until it ends. Mm-hmm. And anything can happen in between. Anything can happen. Yeah. So the just the mere fact that it is live is the magic of theatre. Is the only thing that you can't get from anything else. I mean, don't talk about live stream. Huh? Yeah. Uh, that's a total, that's quite different. Yep. Yeah. So theater, it's the fact that it's a live performance. Yeah. Mm. And uh, being on stage in theater and being on set and acting, it's two different things as well. Mm. Does it uh, activate two different uh, types of energies that you bring forth? Yeah, quite. Um, because more so for when you are filming, because mm. on set, you can be in like, you can go visit five different places in five different days of the week of shoot mm. uh, or more, you know. Um, and different places have their different quirks. Sometimes there's a nice resting place. If you shoot in a home, if it's a mm. nice home, okay, great. If you shoot in uh, a one room flat because the story demands it or yep. whatever, then there's no yep. space to rest. I mean, you know, so location kind of restrictions. Yep. It, the energy will differ greatly. Uh, in theater, most of the time you have a rehearsal space that's conducive uh you have a holding area and because there's a routine like every day you go in at a certain time you put on your stuff you do a warm-up whatever mm. you rehearse you finish at a certain time you go off or maybe you go for lunch then you come back there's a routine uh it's i would say it's a bit more comfortable in the theater rehearsal studio than on set <laughs> when there's 
you, the, the location can vary. I can imagine. Yeah. And the waiting times can be horrendous. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And as with regards to theater, sometimes you have to put out uh, multiple performances over the week. How do you sustain yourself? How do you ensure that you put out your best performance? Because imagine the first one is would be great, but the second, the third, the fourth, the fifth, throughout, let's say the entire week or like two weeks at a time, I can imagine it gets pretty draining. Mm. Yeah. How 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 do you sustain and to constantly um push yourself to 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 perform the same character, doing the same things consistently? Mm. Yeah. Okay. Um Firstly, the first show might not always be the best. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Just putting it out there. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, actually, the seasoned theatre goer might mm. realise that towards the later half of the run might be a better time to catch the show. Um, Interesting. Because the show settles when there's an audience. Mm. When you rehearse in a room, you only have the director in front of you, maybe the stage manager or some crew there might be a, a full run before going to the theatre with uh, some of the theatre company staff, yep. invited guests, whatever, the designers. But it's not a public audience. Mm. The true test is when the public audience comes in and the curtain goes up and the first time you perform, then you feel, oh, so the moment actually is like this. It feels this way. Oh, it's meant to be like that. The moment's supposed to be land this way and not that way. Those kind of things click miraculously, magically when mm. there's an audience yep. and a fresh audience that at that, you know, it's not an industry insider kind of audience. Um, yeah, so the first performance, not necessarily the best, but you, it is the rawest. Yeah. So some people like that. Yeah. <laughs> some people like to go and purposely watch the first show, you know, yep. Yep. and then they compare with middle of the run maybe yep. and then the end of the run for those who are into that. Yeah. Um, but your question was about how to sustain uh, especially, especially keeping into character um, continuous runs that's yeah. throughout the week yeah okay so from the physically speaking medically speaking keep yourself healthy keep mm. yourself um, rested keep your voice um, you know in tip top condition so taking care of yourself is first and foremost yep. it's quite basic um, then when you come when you talk about performing consistently um, in terms of the delivery, keeping the nuances the same, etc., that comes with the rehearsal. Okay. That comes with the practice. Yep. So that's why we have rehearsals. So that when we go on stage, it's almost second nature. Mm. Yeah. I mean, yes, we are there. We are aware. Um, we are in the moment. But the, the the character, everything that happens is second nature. Yeah. I guess maybe some people might go into an auto mode, automatic Auto autopilot mode. Yep. Yeah, that's the word. Yep. Then that's when you then when, that's when the actor switches off. Mm. And you know, um I don't know. I, I, there might be some shows where the, the 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 run is really long, you're doing 40 shows or something like that's that. That's insane. <laughs> Gosh. Uh yeah, I've done a 50 over show run before, like yeah. 52 shows, 57 shows. Um how do you stay sharp mentally from show to show? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> so There's only so much gin and tonic can do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Actually, gin and tonic might, might, might not work in that in those cases. Yeah, you yep. really need to be focused. Yep. Um, no, no, it's, I guess it's, it's, it's a discipline. It's an actor's discipline to tell yourself that the, whatever audience that comes in tonight, it's the first time they're watching it. Mm. You, you don't discredit them. Don't give them anything less than they deserve, you know? Yeah. It's it's just a matter of discipline. Yep. Yeah. And and just telling yourself that 
reminding ourselves that it's a privilege to be on stage. Mm, yeah. It's a privilege to be on stage. It is. I, I truly believe that it is because there are people who want to but can't. Mm. They don't have the opportunity or, or, or whatever. Yep. And the, the fact that I'm able to is a privilege. I, I can't take that for granted. Lovely. Yeah. As we wind on this conversation, I just have two more questions left for you. My first question is, is there a piece of media that you would like to experience again? A piece of media is in something that I've done before? No, something or, that you have watched, something that you have liked, uh, uh, something you have uh, sat through in the theater that you would like to experience for the first time again. Is there something like that for you? Oh, this is difficult because I say one and then I may hurt a lot of other people. <laughs> <laughs> if they are listening to this. Yep. <laughs> Let's not step on any toes here. Uh, yep. Um... If I may be conservative in my answer, Lion King. Uh, <laughs> it's really conservative. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Everybody loves the Lion King. Uh, okay, I do like Lion King also, um, but I think I would like to. Okay, like this is so cliche lah. Watch my first musical again, and I think that was Les Mis. Mm. Les Misérables. Yeah, uh, just blown away by the whole experience. Um, and I do remember wanting to perform that that little boy's role called Gavroche. Yeah, it's, it's this cute little guy. And then like, I mean, I was a boy yep. in primary school then. And like, oh yeah, hey, that, isn't that me? On I can be that guy on stage. Yeah, yep. I was just blown away by the whole, blown away by the whole experience. And it was that kind of musical where every word is sung, right? It's mm, not just like acting, acting, yes. and then sing a song. Yep, everything was sung. It's like wow, it was just. Like, wow, this guy effort, huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So to be blown away by that again, uh, I wish I could have that. Does the yeah. production still amaze you to this day? And how does it still amaze you? When you look at it oh. uh, after having been in the industry for 13 years and you look at Lamis now, what goes through your head? Um, a lot of nostalgia at first, I think. But I think if I th were to think about it, I I've not heard their songs or played it for, for a very long time, not heard it. Um, like even the movie was quite a long time ago mm. also, right? Um, but I enjoyed it. Uh, a lot of nostalgia and... But if I think about it, it goes back to a lot of humanity again, once again. Uh, a lot of heartbreaking stories in mm. it, but also a lot of hope, a lot of um, like hope for humanity, hope for mankind again, uh, a lot of love, um, pain, sorrow, everything, a whole gamut of emotions, right? Yep. So there's a whole lot of humanity on stage. Uh, from that production. Yep. Yeah. Lovely. I think my last question to you is, in the spirit of the series you hosted, Why It Matters, I have to ask, why does acting matter? <laughs> why Why is it a profession that is regarded as a really high art form? With regards to theatre, why is it such a, regarded as such a high art form? Why does it matter? It matters on a few levels. Um, firstly, you need uh, good actors to bring out the characters, uh, bring them to life. Mm. You know, your, your stories don't come to life very visually, very viscerally, if not for actors. Mm. Um, otherwise, they'd just be words on a page, you know. Um, even if there was just animation, you need actors to voice <laughs> yes. these characters you see. Yep. Uh, your, your, your Elsa, Anna, yep. your Lion King, yep. you know. Um, it, and why actors so important is because it's not easy to do. Um, I know there's a lot of AI things going on, um, AI taking over an actor's role. Um, I also did an episode for on why it matters about AI or, mm. or robots yep. taking over a presenter's role, you yep. know? And I think it's, they, there's only so much that they can do up to a certain point. Mm. And 
I'm a big believer that at the end of the day, you still need a human to to be at the to be in control of things. So AI and robots, these are tools. Um, so your ChatGPT or whatever that's coming out now, they're all but tools. Mm. They, they they are not replacements. Yep. You see, um, and as robots or AI as acting acting replacements, I don't think they can do that. You need an actor to control them to yep. to bring them to where you want them to be. And it's not easy. Yeah. I think to be a really great actor to bring this character to life fully and interestingly is very difficult. And that's why it matters to have actors. Yeah. Do you think it's part of the human condition to constantly be telling stories, to think of things in stories and to always pass down stories from people to people and to talk about our experiences? Yes. Um, I believe storytelling is innate. Mm. Um, you can see it already in children. They tell stories all the time. A leaf fell. Mommy, daddy, that leaf fell. It hit the ground and then whatever, whatever happened, it just, the story just comes out. Yeah. You know, it's innate. Um, na- na- naturally speaking. <laughs> yeah. um, but I think it also sort of serves a function, which is why I think humans also, we hone the skill, the ability to tell stories. Mm. And we are drawn to stories that are told better than others. Yeah. You know, because they get your message through better. Yeah. Lovely. Um, could you share details about, as we close out this conversation, could you share details about the upcoming uh, production that will mm. be at Esplanade? Yeah. Yeah. So um, this is a production called Three Years in the Life and Death of Land. Uh, it's a very quirky, funny um, story about uh, people who are living in this place. Um, stuff happens to them Um, there are the oddballs like a mosquito there's a cat there's a ghost Uh, so there's lots of comedy lots of drama um, and it's going to be held at the Singtel Waterfront Theatre which is a brand new theatre just barely a year old only not even a year old actually yeah Um, built uh, just right next to the Esplanade Theatre um, and we're going on from the 5th of August until, until 13th of August. So not a very long run, um, but quite a few performances to put up. And I think tickets are quite limited. So um, snatch them up fast because, yeah. um, I mean, at the end of the day, this is a Harish Sharma script. Uh, it's a really good script. Um, it was only ever performed once 29 years ago in wow. 1994. Yeah. So. Rarer than a comment. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah so this is like 29 years later you know <laughs> yeah so i mean it's gone through a few changes it's, it's been refined um not really updated in terms of like putting place markers like there's, there's no covid or whatever yep. Yep. um but the heart of the story is still there it's been refined in such a way that it's um uh, how to say it's it's made snappier mm. so like like um it's the, the fat has been trimmed yep. if you get my meaning yep um, there's music. Uh, so the songs, if I remember correctly, were composed by Hosan also mm. the first time around. And yep. we have retained his music this time around. Yep. Um, but with also a different uh, sound designer. So there's a different spin to it. Yep. So those who watched it 29 years ago, this is quite a different wow. experience also. Yep. Yeah. Um, and I'm just very excited to <laughs> for Hosan actually to come and watch and see what I do to his beloved mosquito. <laughs> Hopefully he doesn't slap me or clap me <laughs> after that. It sounds like it's going to uh, be a lovely time. Um, where can people find you online, Joshua? Oh, um, on Instagram. Yeah, I think that's the fastest way to get in touch with me. Um, 
I have an email button on it <laughs> to, to, to get in contact with me. Um, I also have a website, um, joshualim-artist, that's artist with an E, dot com. Um, it's, 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 <laughs> no, it sounds much more fancy than it is. <laughs> it, it's quite dusty already, if you get my meaning, because, uh, I mean, we'll just be more um, active on, 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 on IG, socials, yeah, yeah. on the socials. So that, that, that website, <clears throat> Um, just a bit of a repository of like past production images, uh, a gallery. Yep. There is a contact us page over there that you can type your message to me and you will get to in, to my email also. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and if I may give a shout out to my company, yep. this, it's called the Psychology Atelier. Mm. Um, so it's not your usual run of the mill psychology practice. Um, we have a very nice brand new space at Sia Street mm. and uh, we welcome anyone who wants to um, find out more about what uh, psychology is uh, a therapy journey yep. um, and not not just that we actually my wife has been involved in a couple of theatre productions mm. as a psychology consultant um, interesting yeah, yeah so that's why we're called an atelier uh, she's uh, art is another half of her that she's very passionate about yep. um, and it's in art that we connect with people and that we spread psychology knowledge well and apply actually creative applications of psychology is what she's uh, what we want to do as well yep um, but yeah so we have a nice new space and we welcome people who um, just, just visit us at thepsychologyatelier.com to have a look this has been a lovely conversation Joshua thank you for your time no thank you Kevin for having me thank you thanks for listening we hope you enjoyed the episode and feel inspired if you enjoyed what you heard thus far do give us a follow on Instagram and don't forget to share and subscribe Stay tuned for the next episode.